At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. All right, welcome to the Federal Ammunition Podcast. It's federal season. I'm Jason Vanderbrink, President of Federal, along with Jason Nash, our Vice President of Marketing. Today, our guest is Ava Flannel. Ava, welcome to the podcast and glad to have you here today in Anoka and in person. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Or having me. Uh, this is actually my first time in Minnesota, so I'm expecting like the grand tour of not just the facility, but you know, the state. After we can't yeah, make snow this time of year, so yeah. you won't get that experience. I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good time to come to Minnesota. There's three months of the year that's a good time, and you picked one of them. <laughs> All right, so uh, for our listeners, Ava has a unique path to this industry where she now owns and operates Elite Firearms and Training, where she, te- where she teaches students how to use firearms and equip them effectively, and most importantly, at an affordable cost. She hosts her own podcast titled Gun Funny Podcast, has an active YouTube channel, and has embraced the positive use of social media to enlighten her followers on current issues such as firearms, um, and teaches the benefits of owning and operating firearms. So Ava, your story is interesting as we talked about this with all of the millions and millions of new users in the industry that we've seen in the last 18 months. So you're, you're, you had exposure to the industry at a young age as your parents owned a gun shop and shooting range. You chose a different path after high school and worked for one of the most iconic sports teams in the world, although I'm not sure if I would consider them that, uh, <laughs> that exclusive, but... Uh, Nonetheless, working for the New York Yankees to, uh, to where you are today is, is pretty incredible. So you credit your mom as your mentor in the beginning of your new career. Tell us how that came about. Yeah, so when, well, when I turned 18, I went to school in New York City, and I, I went to Fordham University, graduated in three years, double major, thought that I'd, you know, have some great career ahead of me. I actually graduated in 2008, and the economy wasn't great. Um, bartended for I think I don't know maybe six months or something and then ended up landing an interview with the New York Yankees I think I went through seven interviews to get that job and then worked in the legal and finance department and I spent eight years in New York City my parents did own a gun shop and a range growing up so I was exposed to that but it was one of those things where I really wasn't interested in it it I don't know it just it wasn't appealing for me and uh, it's not that I was anti-gun or anything my mom was a firearms instructor, and uh, in 2012, I flew back. We were recording a TV show with my that was surrounded with my parents' business, and um, it was the age of 25 that on camera, the film crew, they wanted my mom to teach me how to shoot a gun. So as if like shooting a gun wasn't terrifying enough. And then I had all these cameras on me. And she was just able to give me like a quick tutorial, you know, kind of just like, all right, this is how you load the gun. I couldn't even properly load it because operating the slide was really difficult. And so then she gave me some uh, some quick shooting tips and I shot really well. Like I was really accurate. And then, you know, my dad 
after that, after like getting down the fundamentals with the nine millimeter, I think I was shooting a Glock. He brings out the machine gun. So then I shot a machine gun. <laughs> so, and um, sadly, the the same week um, after shooting, uh, filming that that uh, that TV show, um, my mom passed away due to a horrible accident. And at that point, I decided to move back just because, you know, um, my parents, they operated this business together, but my mom was always like the brains behind the operation. And my dad just came up with the ideas, but my mom would implement it. So I didn't want what my mom like worked really hard for to go to waste. My sister was still in college. And uh, so I basically just gave up everything that I worked hard for in the last eight years, which wasn't easy. You know, I mean, it wasn't my plan to go back to Colorado anytime soon. Um, and then I was just invested in learning as much as I possibly could about guns and the industry. And thankfully I'm a quick learner. And so I, uh, yeah, so I, I learned as much as I possibly could. Um, it's weird because, you know, growing up, you don't realize at the time, like what your parents teach you. Until like you get older and you realize like, I think at one point you realize, okay, my parents did a good job or like, all right, they kind of screwed up here. I mean, ultimately, I think it's, you know, it's everyone's responsibility to be the person that they want to be regardless of how they were brought up. But I do owe so much to my mom and I realize more than anything, like how much of a mentor she was and, and just how strong she raised me to be because there's things that I never would have thought, you know, positions that I was put in and things that I had to handle that I never would have thought that I would have been able to dealt with that. But looking back, I'm like, she actually raised me to be really, really strong. That's great. That's a, it's an interesting story. Certainly. Uh, that's great that your mom had that much influence over you. That's fantastic. So why did you become a firearms instructor? Well, as I was working at the gun store and I wanted to get more education, I realized that there wasn't a lot of resources for women. And the instructors that would come in, they were all like older, older guys or like ex-military. And they were nice guys, but they were also sort of, I don't know, it, it almost seemed like they were slightly demeaning to an extent. And it was somebody that I personally wouldn't want to get instruction from. And so uh, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just walk down you know, the same footsteps as my mom and become a firearms instructor. And I think within a year I became, I'm pretty much NRA certified in pretty much everything you could possibly be certified in. And I just kept taking more and more classes, like getting all of those credentials under my belt and, uh, and just, you know, consuming as much education as possible. And, you know, even now, I mean, there's definitely a lot more instructors, but this was eight years ago. And it's hard to think that even eight years ago, even for my mom to be an instructor, I mean, as a female instructor, like that's not something that you see that often. So that's, that's really why. And I never, ever thought that it would turn into what it has turned into. It was just one of those things where I'm going to help my dad, make sure that he gets on his feet and then I'll just continue to do something that, you know, I originally set out to do, but I didn't think that the gun industry would be ultimately like turned into a career. So what, what advice do you have for, uh, since we talked earlier, we have 10 to 12 million new shooters in the last 18 months, many of them female, many of them minorities. What advice do you have for a, a female who's new, who wants to learn about how to use a pistol or a shotgun or an AR? What, what kind of advice do you have for them? Well, I would definitely recommend taking a class. I think everyone's first 
you know, they think that their first step should be to go out and buy a gun. I would recommend take a class first. And most classes will allow you to try out different guns. They'll tell you all about, you know, different actions and semi-autos and revolvers. And then you can go to the range, test them out. But I would say really education is key because I know even from, you know, a beginner standpoint, whenever I'd look at the gun and I'd hold the gun, it was just like you'd almost get kind of nervous. And if you if you have half a brain, you realize, well, hey, you know, this thing does come with a lot of responsibility. It's not one of those things like, well, if I screw up and I don't do everything right, it's all right. You know, I can wing it. It's not something that you can wing. So education and sort of demystifying a lot of that you know, a lot of the unknowns and, and making sure that you know exactly how to operate it, I think, is is really most of the battle. And then, you know, after you take a few more classes and practice, uh, before you know it, you're like, man, I don't even know why I was, you know, so nervous about this. So uh, you're proficient in many different firearms. What's your favorite as far as a platform and then caliber? Handgun and typically nine millimeter. Interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's the first thing that I learned on, so I'm definitely the most comfortable, but at this point, I'll shoot anything that goes bang. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so since the, so since the, the boom, we call the boom of the firearm ownership, um, what, what is your makeup of your students, male, female, what are you seeing more of? Uh, I would still say it's probably 50-50. You would think as a female instructor that I get mostly women, and I do, you know, occasionally I'll teach like an all-women's class, but uh, there's a lot of guys that, you know, that are new to guns and they would rather learn with a female where there's no egos as opposed to, you know, one of your like drill, drill sergeant-esque mentality, you know, like, what do you mean you don't know this? Like everyone wants to be in a comfortable setting. And I think especially for like when it comes to guns, you know, it's more of a masculine thing. So men sort of feel emasculated when they don't know how to use this. And, you know, and I feel like society makes them think like, well, what do you mean? Like you should, you should know how to use this. So I would, uh, I mean, I definitely have seen a huge increase in women, but it's nice because a lot of couples will take the class together or women, you know, they'll grab their girlfriends, take the class, but it's still very much like 50, 50. And, you know, I, I would say, I mean, I've within the last couple of years, I definitely have seen more women than I have in the past which is great because I would, I would, you know, previously it was probably mostly men that would still take the class, but now it's, it's a good 50, 50. What's the main reason they're taking courses? Are they telling you that? Yeah. So I always ask I'm I'm super curious and, you know, plus I'm pretty much teaching the same class, you know, all the time. So just kind of like mixing it up, getting to know your students, you know, even as from a instructor's standpoint, it sort of, you know, makes the class different. But I'm always curious as to like why they're taking the class. And 2020 was by far in eight years, I mean, my busiest year. At one point, I was teaching like five to six classes a week. It was extremely hard to keep up. There's people that wanted private classes that, you know, classes were filling up for like months on end. And, um, and the reason for it is, you know, I mean, COVID brought a lot of uncertainties and like nobody knew what was going to happen you know, resources were kind of running out and anytime that that's the case. And if you're, you know, if you have to defend and provide for your family, I mean, even if it's just a matter of getting toilet paper mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, with the whole, like the riots and defunding the police and then, you know, police weren't showing up unless it was like a violent crime. But if somebody just broke in your house, they were just asking people to make a police report, but you know, 
a cop wasn't going to show up. And I think for the first time, a lot of people realized that they're pretty much in charge of their own protection. I mean, they were realizing what we already knew, but they realized that like, hey, we need to take protection into our own hands. And I think that that was the huge uptick. And then, you know, lots of people were buying guns and then they realized like, well, I don't even know how to use this. And, you know, hence the uptick in classes and concealed carry permits. And even now, concealed carry permits in Colorado, I mean, you're looking at about two months before you can even get the appointment with the sheriff's office and then the three months before it arrives in the mail. Wow. And this is supposed to be the slow time. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's much slow time right now. No. What's the craziest question you've gotten at one of your training sessions? Oh, I've gotten so many. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So even, you know, just last week I was teaching this class and this guy came in and he just turned 21 and he was pretty fun. He was like a funny guy. You know, you could tell he was kind of like class clown. But at the end, he kept asking all of these questions about, you know, having a medical marijuana card because I live in Colorado. And so that's also another thing that's changed over the years. And if you have your medical marijuana card, you can't get your concealed carry permit. And so he's like, well, how do I go about that? Which, unfortunately, there's always loopholes. And so, I mean, it's like, it's weird. It's, you know, it's like typical laws. You know, with any law, they're only as good as as much as anyone's going to enforce them. And and there's always loopholes. So Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But that that question always comes up. Um, I understand you just went on your first hunt not too long ago. I did. So tell us about that. I was with uh, Crimson Trays, Caldwell, and Smith and Wesson, and they took us to Florida. And during that trip, we were all going to hunt an alligator. So talk about going from like zero to a hundred. Most people start off, you know, shooting like bunny rabbits, squirrels, prairie dogs. Ah, uh, not me. That's you know, I've never done anything that. <laughs> I mean, at this point, like nothing surprises me, but. That's a small kill zone too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and it was funny because the the tour guides that we went with, they didn't really know. Some of us, some of them recognized who we were. Some of them had no idea. But a lot of them were just like, okay, like, here's your AR. Are you sure you know how to use it? I was like, oh, I think I do, you know. And I've always been a really, a really uh, accurate shooter. So Better I knew than that, the Plankster? Uh, you know, him and I, I was on his, and you know, he mentions Plinkster because Dave's in the room with us right now. He came for moral support. He was supposed to hold a poster that said like, go, Ava, go. He doesn't have that poster. I'm a little disappointed, but it's okay. But Dave, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I, I think at one point you were on my podcast, you invited me to come down and we were supposed to do a shoot off and then COVID happened and that never happened. But I was like, I'm totally up for this. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's never had the opportunity to give me lessons. Oh. Yeah. So I uh so I, okay, so I'm going on my first hunt and I wasn't raised around, you know, like growing up hunting. And I got to say like most people don't know this. I didn't include this in my YouTube video, but I had nightmares a few days leading up to it and then a few days after. And that's just because I'd like to take hunting seriously. And at the end of the day, it's still a beating heart that I'm, you know, that I'm ending. And so I wanted to make sure like, okay, you know, is the meat going to be put to good use? And, you know, in the hide and all of that, Mm -hmm. like, I didn't want to just kill it. And then, okay, cool. That, you know, made for some good footage. And then we throw the alligator away. 
Uh, so yeah, if anybody has uh, any recipes, I mean, Martha Martha Stewart didn't include in her recipe book like <laughs> how to cook alligator tail, and then the hide. It doesn't really go with my home decor. My home decor is a little more modern. What about boots? I thought about it. Belt? Yeah, or like <laughs> yeah. a wallet or something. I was and like shooting pouches. I thought yeah. about the wallet. Like I would like take out my wallet, you know, go to pay for something, flash the wallet around, like that's right. Till somebody's like, oh, that's a nice wallet, and I'd be like, oh, this thing. <laughs> I killed this alligator. It's no big deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the the whole trip was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was I liked it because it was something different. You go on enough of these trips where it's like, whoa, we're gonna have range day, and you're like, oh, fun. And I still love shooting guns, but it always helps when you kind of mix it up a little bit. Yes, and there's sure. there's like a new challenge. And and so yeah, um, I I ended up hitting it one shot exactly where it should have. Hit and everybody was like, wow, that was a really good shot. Like they were surprised. I think they were expecting that I was going to accidentally like hit it in the tail or something. And it ended up being like eight and a half feet. Nice. So, good gator. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for the story. Great insights. Um, if you don't mind, Ava, we'll keep you on for another segment to learn more about the classes that you teach and the ways you communicate to your students. Absolutely. Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot, and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared. And nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your Federal Premium Advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. Ava Flanell rejoins us for another segment. Um, Ava, let's talk about some things that you're involved in, starting with your elite firearms and training business. Ava, tell us about, uh, you know, what's what's the main reason that you got into teaching people and, and what are some of the techniques that you use? Well, the main reason is because, you know, I didn't think that there was a lot of resources for women. And um, and I also, I mean, I guess not just women, but just anybody who was a beginner who wanted to learn in more of a comfortable setting. And I think of anything, you know, being a beginner not too long ago, it makes me a better instructor because when students come into my classroom and they're like, oh, I don't know, they just kind of terrify me. I try to like demystify a lot of the misconceptions that, you know, people read and hear, you know, from the media. And, it, but I also, you know, I could tell them that I could relate. And I always tell them like, hey, you know, I've, I've been doing this for eight years. I'm NRA certified and, you know, this and that. But at the end of the day, I only shot my first gun nine years ago. And there's things that I could not do. I couldn't load the magazine to capacity. I couldn't rack the slide to save my life. And you think that it has to do with hand strength or muscle, and it's really technique. And that's really why I started training is I just realized that there was just, there wasn't a lot of, you know, resources out there for people who wanted to get training in a comfortable environment. And, uh, and then along the way, I wanted to not just have it so that like students would take one class and then I would never see them again. I wanted them to continue their training. So I added a bunch of other different classes so that, you know, it would be some of those things where it's like, it's not necessarily like riding a bicycle. And, you know, and for a while I was training so much that I wouldn't even get to practice as much. And then I'd go out on the range and I'd practice and I'm like, oh man, like you get really rusty. And I remind my students. So it's like really important to keep up with training. Absolutely. How, how do you change your approach with kids? 
Uh, so I just talked to them in a baby voice. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. No. <laughs> kidding. Come here, little guy. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's it's different. Like, I don't always teach them how to operate a gun. In some classes, like, let's say, you know, they're younger children, I'll start the class off by showing them different pictures of guns. And I'm like, okay, I want you guys to tell me, is this gun real or fake? And nowadays with, you know, the Cerakote jobs and even the air pistols, and even air pistols, I mean, people go hunting with air pistols nowadays. So even that, like, children shouldn't be, you know, messing around with. And and I, I you know, give the children opportunities to realize that, like, even if a gun is colored, it could be real. Or even if a gun looks real, it could be fake. And so that's why you should never assume. So anytime you see anything that remotely resembles a firearm, you don't want to touch it. And you want to, you know, go and get an adult as soon as possible. And then... I'll also give them scenarios like, well, what if you're at your friend's house and your friends find their dad's gun and they want to play, you know, cops and robbers or something like that? What do you do? So it varies. And then there's times where I'll teach like 12 year olds how to actually use the firearm. My friend, he uh, I'm sorry, my friend, she has an eight year old and I just taught him how to shoot a pistol for the first time. And before that, he was operating a rifle. And so even when you're, you know, Choosing different platforms to teach them, it obviously, you know, differentiates. That's a great approach. And then, you know, with so many of the new users and, and you know, handgun purchasers, it, it, personal defense is, is an important topic. So how do you change your approach and what's your key takeaway uh, when it comes to concealed carry and protection? Uh, as far as like the different classes, like I know, you know, I've, I teach a class like personal protection inside the home and outside the home. And it's important that people don't gain a lot of education from the movies that they watch. You know, people think that they can take cover or hide behind a wall and that's going to prevent them from getting shot. And, you know, it's, so it's something like that, like look inside your home and see like what you can actually take cover from, you know, cover versus concealment is going to, you know, is going to be the difference between one will stop a bullet, the other one won't. There's very few things in a building or a house that will stop a, a bullet that you could actually take cover from. Um, I also, you know, like to stress that avoidance is key and even just staying alert and, you know, and, and even doing things to your house that you don't necessarily, you know, like putting motion sensors on all of your windows and doors and increasing the length of your deadbolt you know, stuff like that I'll teach in my classes that most people don't think about that would sort of deter, you know, your house seem to seem appealing, you know, for people who want to break in. That's great. Now, sitting here in Anoka, Minnesota at the Federal Ammunition Factory where we make millions of rounds a day, um, what is it that you teach them about ammunition? Like how, what role does ammo play in the system and the process for you as you talk about so personally, I think when I first started out, ammunition was one of those things that was kind of um, kind of confusing. You know, I mean, when you talk about nomenclature and the different types of ammo and why it's named, you know, sometimes it has to do with the metric system. Other times it's named after the company that developed it. And then to add more confusion, it can be the exact same caliber, like 9 millimeter, for example. But on your Glock, it might say 9 by 19 your box of ammo, it says 9 millimeter Luger, 9 millimeter Para, Parabellum. And so I 
try to just list the most basic handgun calibers or rifle calibers or shotgun, you know, whatever that they would mostly be exposed to instead of naming stuff that they'll probably never see in their lives. But I think that it's important to, I I have them write them down and I, I go from like smallest to largest just so that they can get an idea because I know when I first started out and somebody's like, yeah, you know, today I just bought a 40 and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You have no idea if that's large, small. You know, I dated a guy one time who didn't know anything about guns, which you would think, you know, I'd be dating some like GI, you know, whatever. No, it's slim picking in Colorado. And he asked one time, you know, is 22 larger than nine? And obviously the number is greater, but and you try to explain that. And so ammunition, especially to a beginner, is definitely a little bit difficult. So I try to take out a lot of the uh, a lot of the confusion and and you know and explain stuff like that. And then I also go into you know home defense rounds or self defense rounds versus uh, range you know, full metal, full metal jacket. And a lot of people think that the reason why you don't shoot hollow points on the range is because ranges don't allow it. And that's not the case. It's just that people don't shoot it because it's more expensive. So there's a lot of misconceptions that most people don't realize. Yeah, definitely. We, we try to keep that in mind as an ammunition manufacturer. We're we're around it every day. So Mm -hmm. we understand all the little nuances and the acronyms. So we try to make tools that help people learn and Absolutely. And make it less complicated. Yeah. Because it does come with a lot of complications that if you're not in that industry and around it every day, you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if you, if you were to say there's one takeaway that you wanted your students to get out of one of your training classes, what, what would that be? Safety. I think that's the biggest thing is if there's nothing else, it's like, I would hate for an accident to happen. And, you know, I go over different safeties on guns, but I tell people at the end of the day, you are your biggest safety. If you can't keep your finger off the trigger, then practice with a spray ball or something before you actually start using your firearm. And it, you know, a lot of people don't even realize when they pick up the gun, their finger automatically goes on that trigger. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't keep your gun pointing in a safe direction, then you should probably practice with something else before you, you know, hold a gun. Because this gun is not going to go off and it's not going to hurt anybody unless you pull that trigger and you have it pointing at somebody. Mm -hmm. So that is like the number one thing that I drill into all of my students. I don't care if you're shooting bullseyes. If you take away nothing else and you can implement safety and you have that foundation down, I can teach you whatever you need to know. One One of our guys has done a lot of training and his phrase is keep your booger finger, your booger hook off the bang switch until you're ready to shoot, right? Yes. I've gone to the point. It's very eloquent. Yeah, but I mean, it's so true. I've gone to the point when I clean my house, spray bottles, I automatically have my finger straight and then it's like, okay, now the spray bottle's facing the counter. Okay, you know, my Dyson, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't accidentally, like your finger doesn't slip because then the vacuum turns on. It's, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could use at your house and practice with. And and I think that that's also something that students, you know, beginners need to learn. It's like buy snap caps. You know, familiarize yourself with your gun. You don't have to go to the range and familiarize yourself with live ammo right away. You know, buy snap caps, practice drawing from your holster, practice the safeties. But there's things that you can do without leaving the comfort of your house and really feel comfortable before you take it to the range. Yeah, muscle memory. Exactly. Same thing with mounting a shotgun and, you know, any kind of target practice. Yes. That's great. So how do people find your training courses? How do they find you? 
You can find me at EliteFirearmsAndTraining.com, and I'm located in Colorado Springs. Every now and then I'll teach a class out of state, but it's pretty rare. Okay. And we also talked briefly about you host your own podcast uh, called Gun Funny. Yes. Why'd you choose that title? Uh, It's sort of a play on Gun Bunny. I don't love the name at this point, but I've done it for about four years, so it's like I can't really change the name. (laughs) But one of the things that did sort of rub me the wrong way when I got into the industry is just the amount of women that use their sexuality to get ahead or they feel the need that like that's what they have to do in order to be feminine. And it was always a, just a, a turnoff for me. So, you know, and then I also wanted to add a, a little bit of sense of humor because I feel like this industry, though it's extremely serious, obviously everything that we're talking about is serious and should be taken seriously we all take ourselves too seriously at times. And I think when you add sense of humor to the mix, it definitely seems a lot more appealing to outsiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a serious topic, but it doesn't mean we can't have fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And what do you mostly focus on for topics? Is it a big range? There's on yes, the podcast? there's a large range. Yeah. So I always have a guest and I'll interview them for about 30 to 45 minutes. I have um, my sponsors in between. I talk about politics. I added politics this year because even though we were born and raised to think, you know, to say, like, don't talk about politics, I think that it's an absolute, like, must at this point, especially with everything going on, you know, with our current administration. And what I've realized is unless you're in that industry, like, if you were in the computer industry and you're like, did you hear what's going on with Microsoft? I'm like, I have no idea. Most people that aren't in the gun industry have no idea what's going on. Like if you ask them, hey, do you guys understand what's going on with braces right now and ATF trying to redefine, you know, the definition of braces, most people have no idea. And yet they own a few braces. So I decided to implement politics and inform the public just so that we can get more people informed and more people to take action. And then in addition to that, I'll include uh, a Q&A. So if somebody wants to ask me questions, it can range for anything. You know, hey, what did I do for uh, Thanksgiving to, you know, do you prefer lasers, lights, nothing? And then I'll add like a AF segment and a gear chat. AF segment is just something ridiculous that I read in the news that I have to share with mm-hmm. listeners. Great. Well, make sure you check out the podcast Gun Funny. Uh, download it, subscribe. Um, Ava, thank you very much for joining us today and for bringing your cheering section. Yeah, um, thanks. He didn't do much cheering though. I'm a little yeah. disappointed. I'm going to have to have a talk with him after this. <laughs> All right. Somebody should have given him a Red Bull or something before. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to learn more about Ava Flanell, you can go to her website, EliteFirearmsAndTraining.com. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time. And these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. As shows continue to come back online, 
We look forward to connecting with you at events like the Buckmasters Expo, August 20th through the 22nd in Montgomery, Alabama, Game Fair in Ramsey, Minnesota, the weekends of August 13th through the 15th, and the 20th through the 22nd. Finally, the big celebration will be in Houston, Texas, as Federal and all of Vista Outdoor Ammunition brands will attend NRA's annual meetings and exhibits. This year is a milestone event, as the NRA is celebrating its 150th anniversary. Lastly, check frequently in on our website, federalpremium.com, for new content, new product information, rebates and promotions, purchase available products, and check out the latest apparel and gear from our merchandise store. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's Federal Season.